This is the ATM at the Minute Podcast, episode 113. I'm Peter Mitchell here with Jackson Stover, and we have a fantastic show for you guys planned today. Here's the rundown. NFL bold predictions for the 2021 season. We're each going to give out three and end it with a way too early Super Bowl pick. Then we're going to touch on the Coach K news, um, some NBA shakeup candidates. We've seen a few teams eliminated from the postseason. We're going to talk about what could happen for those organizations this offseason. And what has already happened in Boston. Exactly. We're going to touch on that for sure. And then we're going to go through the rest of round one, touch on the Lakers, Sun Series, Portland, Denver, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, some of the remaining ones. And then we're going to look ahead to Milwaukee, Brooklyn and give our pick for that at the very end. So, Jackson, let's get right into it. Give me your first bold prediction for the 2021 NFL season. Okay, my first bold prediction for the NFL season is the Cincinnati Bengals will make the playoffs. Yes, the Cincinnati Bengals. Plus 375 odds. I think this division will be a lot weaker than what people anticipate. Yes, I expect Cleveland to be good. Baltimore will be solid. I am not really expecting Pittsburgh to be as good as they typically are. And I really do think that this Bengals team is going to look entirely different. If Joe Burrow never goes down last year, they probably win at least six or seven games. Like people are forgetting how competitive they were. And it was never like Burrow just got absolutely blown out. He always managed to hang in games and be competitive. You boost that offense now, you throw in a guy like Jamar Chase, who he already has quite a bit of chemistry with, and you beef up the line a little bit, you make some other moves around the edges. This is going to be a very competitive team. Do not sleep on them. Is this take predicated more so on what you think is going to happen to the Steelers this season and what you've seen from the Ravens last year? Or is this like purely the Bengals got better? I would say it's like 70% the Bengals got better. And then the other 30% is the teams that they're going to be playing multiple times a year. I don't think are quite the caliber that they were last season. Definitely not the Steelers. I think the Ravens got a little bit worse, if anything, maybe about the same. And then the Browns probably got a tiny bit better, but I think Cincinnati could split with each of them, you know, maybe even get both from the Steelers. I wouldn't be shocked. I really wouldn't. Joe Burrow's a freaking dog. I think the Ravens might be being slightly undervalued at this point in time. I just I don't do believe think... in the line. That's the only thing, the O-line, I don't believe in yes. what they've done. Major question. I do think they can get one on the Steelers this year. That's a, I like that. That's a good start. I'm going to go into mine. Okay. Somewhat related. Joe Burrow will lead the league in passing wow. yards. Well, hey, I guess that would probably be a bad sign for the Bengals record if that <laughs> happened because of garbage time. But who knows? He could still do that and be winning a lot of games. I like it. Here's the case. He averaged 40.4 attempts per game last season before going down with an injury. He was yep. on pace for 4,300 yards as a rookie. Oh my goodness, that's insane. Like you said, you throw in Chase with Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. They also picked up Thaddeus Moss. I do not expect much of an impact from him, but it's cool that he has another college right. teammate there. Um, the O-line, slightly better on paper with Riley Reef coming in. They took Jackson Carmen out of Clemson in the draft. And to top it all off, I still don't think they're going to be very good defensively. Game script will be a significant factor in a this lot of shootouts, probably a lot of shootouts likely, but I'll take Burrow in most of those shootouts. And one other note I've got, I love Herbert. I mean, I think he's going to be really freaking good next year, but if Burrow finishes the season and doesn't get hurt, I wonder how much hype Herbert is really getting. Cause I think Burrow would be getting a lot of the hype that he's yeah, he, he, he came out of nowhere, caught everyone by storm to end the season. I agree there. All Number right. two. Speaking of Herbert, second hot take I've got is Los Angeles will have two MVP candidates. Two MVP candidates in LA. Los, Los Angeles. Los Angeles. The city or the Chargers? The city. I, I didn't narrow it down here. So oh. I think the Rams will have Stafford in the MVP conversation. And then I think Herbert, who I just mentioned, will also be in the MVP conversation for a significant amount of the season. Stafford's at 14 to 1. Herbert's at 20 to 1. I really like Stafford as my 1A, but Herbert is my 1B. I just think Sean McVay with Matt Stafford is going to be ridiculous. The night and day from Goff to Matt Stafford is going to be absolutely mind-boggling. I wouldn't be surprised if Stafford averages 400 yards a game and three touchdowns. 
I really don't like how you started with this because a few of the things I'm going to spit out in this segment I've been touched on already. Um, okay. But fascinating. Okay. I, oh, I could, so you, you don't like my takes here? No, no, I do. I'm just going to talk about those teams later. Oh, okay. My bad. I thought you were saying That's I was recycling I mean. takes here and wasn't being original. Although no, I, I've you been are on being original. Okay. Well, I'm sorry to steal your thunder there. Maybe I'm just not as original as I thought because my second take. <laughs> oh. It's, I mean, it's not Justin Herbert. Austin okay. Eckler is a top three fantasy running back this year. Ooh. I don't know it's, about that one. It's, it's hot, right? Man, it is hot. It's hot. Yeah, that's for damn sure. All right. So Joe Lombardi is the new offensive coordinator okay. for the Chargers. He was with Sean Payton in New Orleans. Austin Eckler is going to play the Alvin Kamara role for this offense. That is huge. Then you look at the additions of Corey Lindsley and Rashawn Slater. Yep. Bam. Yep. A competent O-line for him to run behind. That's huge. Year two of Justin Herbert. He's a smart kid. I think he'll be fine learning that system. I think he'll pick it up really quickly, to be that honest. Yeah, that, that won't be an issue. That and the bar of competency for this team is so low from what we saw with Anthony Lynn. Yeah. Like my expectations aren't super high for Brandon Staley, but I think it will be better. I think they'll be closer to 500. And I think that just the playoffs. I really yeah. do. It's certainly possible. Add all of that up. I just think this is a better Chargers team. Throw in Lombardi. It's a perfect storm for Austin Eckler to have a monster year. He's been really good the last couple. So chalk it up. All right. It's definitely possible. And I know he gets a lot of his value from the receiving aspect of the game. But yeah. if they're winning more games and he's RB1, he's going to get more carries and he's going to have more touchdowns. So that should factor in as well. I can live with it. I don't love it. I don't hate it. It's a hot take for a reason. You're going to hate this next take. Am I going to Am I going to take him, you know, 1.3 in drafts? No, probably not. Would but you take him? I think it's possible. First round? Yeah, back in for sure. Ooh, I, th- okay. I think that's, okay. I think it's worthy. I ha- I've only done one mock draft last night, so. <laughs> <laughs> I've only done one so far as well. And I'm sure the mock rankings are going to change a ton as training yeah. camp gets going and everything else. But my third hot take slash bold prediction here, the Washington football team will win the NFC East. Okay, just a little mm. process of elimination here. It ain't going to be Philly. I'll tell you that <laughs> for damn sure. It ain't going to be Daniel Jones and the Giants. I think they hopefully make a little step forward and aren't as much of a sight for sore eyes, but I just don't see them winning more than nine games. And that leaves us with Dallas. It leaves us with Washington. Dallas is a pretty heavy favorite to win the division, and I think they probably should be. I don't think Dallas is going to be like they were last year. I expect them to be around 500, maybe a little bit better. But I think oh, this Washington wow. football team, I'll, I'll give you all nine and eight, maybe 10 and seven. Okay. Realistically, that's what I expect. Great, hey, great job getting the 17 game thing right. Thank you. I, I've really been working on that. I don't think I've fudged it yet. And I love what Washington has. Okay. If it's magic can just be decent in half the games, the defense is going to keep them in every single one. Fitzmagic might not even have to do much to win some of these games. And I think at this point, it's kind of a coin flip between Washington and Dallas in that division. And with the odds Washington has, that's my pick. I'll take them. I don't hate it. All right. That said, if the football team wins the division, I think it's more of Mike McCarthy failed. He's he's fired. He's not coming back. Dallas I'm definitely is not defense. betting against that did not get any better. Well, okay. It will be better. It's hard to be worse, but it didn't get that much better. Only got That's marginally the only, better. That is the only way the football team wins this division with Ryan Fitzpatrick as their starting quarterback. I'm just saying they managed to be in the playoffs last year with Heineke and Haskins and the worst quarterback play that I've potentially ever seen from a team. For all we know, Heineke could be the guy. And uh, yeah, yeah, the Giants... I don't believe in Daniel Jones. I don't believe in Jason Garrett as the OC. It's just, it's not going to happen. Eagles, too much of a mess, figuring it out. Year one coach. For sure. I'm with you. For sure. All right, what's your third one here? All right, third one, Cleveland Browns will make the AFC championship game. Okay. 
All right. Second year of Kevin Stefanski. We were huge on him coming in to last season. You more so than me. He proved us right. He's competent. He can run an offense. Also, this is the first time Baker Mayfield will enter a season with the same offensive coordinator that he had the year prior. Interesting. Here's the history. I'm listening. Rookie year, Todd Haley. 2019. I'm surprised they didn't get in a fist fight at a bar at some point. Yeah. 2019, former Oklahoma State legend Todd Munkin with Whedon back right. in the day. 20... Uh, uh, that might have been Holgerson there at the time with Whedon. Someone fact checked me. Munkin was around there with the uh, Around that time, yes. The shootout yes, teams, around that yes. time. All right. And then last year, Alex Van Pelt comes in with Kevin Stefanski. Um, you know. I, I just think second year Baker finally getting into form down the stretch of last year, him having the opportunity to come in already knowing the system. He's going to look more like the number one pick that you and I both expected him to look like. I know we both had him number one in his draft class at QB. So I just think perfect storm for him to succeed balanced in the run game. Plus defensively, they got in. They got John they're Johnson. They're gonna be really good. Jadavian Clowney, really freaking good defensively. Yeah, and even I like, if they're only halfway healthy, they should be a top ten defensive team in the league. Exactly. Like the draft picks too. This is going to be one of the most balanced teams in the NFL. I think they're going to be very successful this season. Okay. All right. I'm gonna hit you with some honorable mention rapid fires. You just tell me thumbs up, thumbs down. Justin Fields gets a playoff win in his first season. Thumbs down. The Jets <laughs> won't suck, and they might go 8-9. and nine. Thumbs up. Texans go 0-17. Thumbs up. Tua will be borderline Pro Bowl good. I'm, yes, 100% in on that. Ooh, okay. Wentz revives his career with Reich, and Indy wins 11-plus games. My thumb is, like, <laughs> almost up. Okay. And then, ready to finish with our Super Bowl matchups here? Yeah. All right. Kansas City versus the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, this is why I said that earlier, because that's exactly what I, I had a feeling you would have that as well. I just I, you have to bet on this Rams team. I mean, Sean McVay's a genius. They've been really freaking good and in the playoffs every single year he's been there. Why would they not be really freaking good now that they actually have an elite quarterback? Exactly. Um the Bucks pick is just too boring. I wanted to pick something other than that. I can't say the same on the AFC side. The Chiefs are just too good. They retooled their biggest weakness on the offensive <laughs> turned it line. into a strength. Yeah, they turned it into a strength. I think they're going to run the ball better. Clyde's going to have a big year. They'll be right back in it. And he should, like man. Said, I yeah. hope so. He was kind of disappointing last year. He's a rookie. But I I'm know, with but you for being taken in the first round and getting all the fantasy hype that <clears throat> certain people gave him. You know, I thought he was going to produce a little more. Uh, yeah, whatever. And then also <laughs> the Rams picked up Tutu Atwell, Speedster out of Louisville and Deshaun Jackson. They got two guys to help stretch the field with that cannon of an arm and Matt Stafford. I, I like and it. Stafford I'm with you. hasn't had hardly any flat out speedsters like that. He's had his fair share of 50 50 balls. And granted, he had a freaking legend in Calvin Johnson. Like, let's not yeah. overlook that. But he has never had a 4 2 4 3 guy that can just flat out burn a defense and Stafford can throw it 80 yards and let him run under it. He hasn't had a good team on both sides of the ball and two Effort. two of the best players of their position on defense. Like let's it's gonna go. be a fun year. It's gonna yeah. be a fun year. A whole lot of guys in New Jersey's that are absolutely going to change things up for their teams. Real quick, before we go to basketball, yeah. any any Super Bowl sleeper teams, like who are you on the fence about here and making your prediction? Uh, if we're talking Super Bowl sleepers, I think the Arizona Cardinals are a sleeper. Now, would I pick them to be there? No, but I think with ridiculous odds, they're worth looking at. I think the Chargers are a sleeper. Now, I don't necessarily think they're going to make it, but I think they'll be in the playoffs with a chance. I don't then, think Staley in year one will get there. I don't know. I, I have pretty high expectations for him. I really would not be surprised if they win 11, 12 games and give the Chiefs a little scare in that division. One more year, beef up the roster, go get another receiver um, alongside Keenan. I think they'll be closer. Okay, and then one last Super Bowl sleeper. 
I think the Packers will be there if they can go pick up another weapon on offense. Go trade for <laughs> Julio and you're in the Super Bowl. Like I don't know they what they're only waiting want a for. Second round pick. I don't either. I don't either. They have lowered their asking price to a second damn round pick. What what is what's the whole league waiting on here? I don't get it. Last thing I, I said last thing earlier. The right. Seahawks have no first or fourth rounder in next year's draft. So if they were to trade a second to get Julio, they'd be hurting. Ooh. But I think yeah, it's a it's it. an all in move. Maybe for that see, coaching. I don't staff see why not. Office. It's not like you're trading for a guy that's got four years, twenty million guaranteed left on a deal. He's got two years, fifteen million each year guaranteed. Like that's doable. You can move the money around. Salary cap is just an imaginary number. Like figure it out. Come on, guys. All right. Hoops time. Yes, sir. All right. Massive news in the college hoops. Actually, the all hoops world today. Yeah. Mike Krzyzewski announced this will be his last season coaching the Duke Blue Devils. John Shire, longtime assistant, former player, is expected to step in line for him. Thoughts? It makes me feel old, number one, that Shire's going to be coaching this team because it feels like not that long ago I was watching him wear a Duke uniform and rooting for him and Kyle Singler. Um, But I think this is really the death of the Blue Bloods, in my opinion. We see Roy Williams go. We see Coach K go. I mean, if these guys thought they were going to be competing for national championships next year, I guarantee you they wouldn't be calling it. And I think recruiting's changed a lot. I think the whole landscape of college basketball has changed. I don't think so. I think the talent level that these blue bloods consistently got for a long time is just never going to be matched again. Just at least not anytime soon. There's just too many guys that go to the G League or go play overseas that would have been in a Kentucky or Duke or Kansas uniform otherwise. And I think it's just kind of that time. Things are changing and college basketball is more wide open than it's ever been. And they see the writing on the wall, you know. Might as well go out while you're still relatively on top. I can't imagine if Coach K were to miss the tournament three years in a row, what Duke and everyone in the college basketball world would be saying. So kudos to him on a hell of a career, and I think it was the right call. I got a few things on that. All right. One, I think the pandemic put a lot of things into perspective for people. It worked as a bit of a reality check. And you okay. see Roy and Kay, and they're like, you know what? Like, life is short. Maybe I want to spend time with my family. I've been doing this for a long time. So I think there's that. I also think the transfer portal becoming free agency in a sense. Yeah, that's where you go to recruit now, more so yeah. than the five stars almost. I think it turns these guys off who have been doing this a certain way for a very long period of time. Yeah, now that's a good point. Retool and rethink how they recruit and assemble these teams. So couple that with the G League Ignite, the overtime league. Not being able the to NBL give guys houses and cars to get them to come to your school anymore. That and one and done on the horizon, you know, being over. Like Yeah. It's, it's a huge not- shakeup to the college basketball landscape. One thousand percent. It is. So, yeah, amazing career. Um, And then announcing the John Shire news today, essentially, I think that's really smart because, one, they're not going to have this huge, drawn-out coaching search next year where this guy steps in. There's all this pressure on him. There already is going to be an immense amount of pressure, but this should tone it back a little bit. Everyone knows who's in line. He's going to come in. They're going to be ready to rock. I think that was very smart of them. Right. And if you're unsure, I mean, the worst thing you could do here is not be 100% in on Shire and you go look at other candidates and all of a sudden the rumors are flying here and Brad Stevens potentially could he actually walk from the NBA and change his mind and go back to college and this and that. And it's just a major distraction and it's going to kill Shire's confidence because he would think like, shoot, maybe they don't want to give me the job after all and don't think I've earned it. And it's just the right thing to do. There's no questions. You can get right back to work and get ready for next year. Right. Um, they did say that Shire was instrumental in recruiting Tatum and Zion, though. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt on the recruiting front there. Um, I think he'll do just fine. Yeah. Uh, last thing, whenever I saw the Boston news this morning, and we can mm-hmm. switch it over, yep. I immediately thought, "Oh shit, 
Sam Presti is going to take that job in Boston. No way. Who? No way. Who better? Who better? Well, here's the thing. If you're Presti, you are a god in Oklahoma City, and you have the best Wait, hold that treasure hold that chest of assets in the league. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I see Presti coming over, Brad Stevens going to Duke. Perfect storm. Presti crushes the draft for us and then leaves. I, I don't think Presti's ever going anywhere, at All least right. not for the pick next up, Pick decade. up what you were saying. He's beloved but in OKC. I think it's kind of a lose-lose if you go to Boston, because if you do go there and succeed, everyone's going to say, well, you were good in Oklahoma City. Of course you should be better in Boston. Blah, 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 blah. You have this and that and this and that and the basketball landscape and historical franchise, all of that nonsense. People would be shouting that through the rooftops. And then if you don't succeed, you're constantly under the microscope, whereas in a smaller market in OKC, the expectations are low and all you can do is just exceed them, essentially. So I think it would have been a dumb move on his part, but a very bold one. I mean, if he goes and gets rings in Boston, he would be even more beloved in the NBA world than he is now, which is hard to imagine. So, I mean, I, I guess I could see it, but that's initially, that's, go ahead, good. That's the thing, though. Like, if Sam Presti, with his sparkly resume, were to ever take another job in the league, what is it, commissioner? Like, how high does the standard have to be for you to think that he would take another job? I think Boston Celtics, one of the top two premier or top three premier franchises in this league. Like, yeah, that I mean, no doubt. Take. Here's the other thing, though, I guess. Other side of the coin. What would be more impressive, winning a ring in Boston or winning a ring in Oklahoma City? I think Certainly, winning a ring okay, in Oklahoma see, City. It's not a so, question. So then why leave? Why leave? Mission hasn't been accomplished yet. Well, we don't. We. I wish I could have him on the podcast, get inside his head, <laughs> and ask him these things. Hey, what's more important to you? Or what would what would a bigger accomplishment be for you? Being the president of basketball for the Boston Celtics, and he he would be there for a while if he took the job. It's not like a one two year leash. Like that's not know, how man. they run. Boston's Ainge was there ruthless. for a long time. He was also an all-time great player. Well, I shouldn't say all-time great player. I mean, he was a very important historical player for them. Like, the amount of respect and moxie that he had and kind of the way that the whole city felt about him, Presti's not bringing that with him. Yeah, Presti's not bringing that with him. Okay, let's move back over to Boston, though, because initially when I got this news of Ainge stepping down, I wasn't surprised because I thought that there would probably be a shakeup, either Stevens or Ainge, but not both. And so originally, you know, check my phone, whatever time, 87 million Twitter notifications. I mean, like, holy shit, Ainge is out. Ainge is out. I didn't even realize that Stevens was filling in his job and no longer the head coach until like an hour later. For those who don't know the full context, Danny Ainge, president of basketball ops of the Celtics, stepped down after like a 10 plus year run, fact checked. Um, And Brad Stevens, in a bombshell report, stepped up from head coach to president of basketball ops. Never seen anything like it. So go on from there. I don't understand it, though, because if you're Brad Stevens, what are you going to gain by moving up other than a huge paycheck? Maybe if your pay increase is that massive and they're going to promise peace you at least mind. 10 years, go back to college. If you want peace of mind, I mean, you could go we just dominating college. you don't get peace of mind. You don't get an off season in college. You're constantly on the recruiting trail in the off season. I don't think Brad Stevens cares about that though. He is a young, very intelligent Plugged in. Are you sure? Because the report is that he was burnt out after the bubble. He had had enough, a lot of pressure. I just just don't need it to change. He is a genius coach. Everyone knows that. He might not even be a good GM. Now that I can get on board with. I just don't understand. Like, why leave something that you are so good at and so well respected by everyone? I, I don't understand, especially when you haven't accomplished the mission of winning it all and you've come damn close. It's a great question. Um, clearly, I think he's, he stepped away from coaching to just 
get time to rejuvenate himself, do something a little bit different. And then he's, he's young. Like you said, he's going to get back into coaching at some point. I'd be shocked if he didn't, but what if, what if he decides tomorrow, Hey, actually I want this front office role, but I want to stay the coach. What do you think the odds are of that? Uh, I mean, doc rivers did that. I know and it's been done multiple times. It's been done multiple times. A burnout guy doesn't need two jobs, (laughs) but my my roommate Kurt was saying this doesn't make any sense. He's a coach. He has no GM experience. My one rebuttal to that would be if anyone knows what this roster needs to get better to improve, yeah. it has to be him. He that's a I good mean, point. He knows the players better than anybody, and that led me to the question: Would he be willing to deal these guys that he has close relationships with? Talk about burning a bridge. If he goes up there in his cushy suite and trades some of these players who he's been in charge of the last couple of years, that's well, tough. Here's, here's the thing. Everyone is gone or likely to be gone off of that team except Tatum and Brown. Kimba will probably come back because you would have to offload a ridiculous amount of assets to get anyone to take him with his absolutely terrible contract for multiple right. years left. But everyone else is gone, in my opinion. Smart, gone. Fournier, gone. Expendable. Thompson, gone. Expendable. That's a better word. They don't need any of those guys. They were all dog, mediocre, terrible, <laughs> provided nothing. Nothing. Smart, Whoa. broad energy. But that was it. I mean, the rest of them were literally pathetic. A couple of those young guys like... Pritchard, Langford, they showed you some stuff at times. Rob Williams here once in a while. Maybe we're keeping around, but no one is a lock to be there next year besides Tatum and Brown. I hear you, and I have a list of people, players, coaches I want to get to and kick to you here in a second. But before we do that, I want to talk about a couple of the potential coaching candidates for Boston. Okay. Do you have anyone in mind? I thought it would be Adrian Griffin. I mean, I I thought that would be the obvious first choice, the way everyone talks about him and how, I mean, adored he is in the NBA community. He just seems like next guy up, but he keeps getting passed over. I haven't seen his name at all. And I actually got fooled on Twitter by a fake account saying David Fisdale got hired, and that blew my mind. (laughs) No way. All right, a couple things. So... One, I heard the organization wants to make a push for more diversity. So I think they will go after a black coach. A I think, kid I saw I think was it's necessary. rumored to be one of the front runners. Yeah. Two, Chris Haynes reported that Jason Kidd and Lloyd Pierce are going to get a look at it. I do not think either of those options would be smart whatsoever. Lloyd Pierce would be terrible. I mean, you may as well hire Paul Pierce at that point. <laughs> oh, we I'm thought serious. we were Paul. I'm serious, dude. Lloyd Pierce was terrible. You got on me for me saying he'd be fired early this year. And holy shit, look how, I mean. A lot of talent went, there. I thought he could do better. They went from being a bottom five to 10 team in the league to all of a sudden being in the second round of the playoffs just because they got rid of Lloyd Pierce. Yeah, I I have a few names for you. So Let's Jackie Mack laid out the case for Chauncey Billups today on their emergency pod. I could get behind that. Yeah. So Mr. Big Shot, championship experience. He's he's going to command respect from those players. We, we know he's really smart. We've seen him on TV. He calls Clippers games. The dude's a legend. I think that could be cool. Adrian Griffin was the first name I thought of. Like you said, he's been the next guy up kind of name that's been floated around the league for a while. Yep. He played for Boston. He's NBA's Eric Bieniemy. That he's also coached multiple stars, Russ and OKC. He was there with the Rose, Noah, Jimmy teams in Chicago and Kawhi in Toronto. And then the next few guys on my list, Darvin Ham. He's also been floated routinely um, assistant on Budenholzer staff. And I also thought, why not Jacques Vaughn? Give him an interview. Yeah, I don't hate that. Interesting. I don't know. I feel like the coaching market isn't, it's not what it normally is this off season. I feel like there's usually more big names. I mean, not yet because the playoffs aren't over. That is true. Some people are probably going to be gone. Yeah, that's a very good point. Very good point. I mean, we'll see. I don't expect them to make a move that fast. I think this could be one of those that takes weeks. Yeah. And I think that's the smart move. Be patient. 
see who comes up. Like for Philly, they didn't, they weren't expecting Doc Rivers to pop up and him to fall in their lap. That was a great hire. Right. And also, this doesn't seem like one of those that had been planned forever. They had already been interviewing candidates and had a guy in the wings waiting like other teams have. I mean, like even middle of the season this year when we had Minnesota go out and fire their coach and hire someone the same night. Like this isn't one of those situations. That was premeditated. Yeah, there's nothing premeditated here going on, I don't think. We'll see, though. A lot of interesting stuff. Hit me with uh, hit me with these guys that some controversial names who could be on the move. Yeah, so we got shake up for Duke, shake up for Boston, and I'm going to go through a list of other people who might be on the move. So let's All start right. with Boston. Marcus Smart, give me a package for him. You can't just say he's a trade candidate without giving me something back. Okay, let's send him to Toronto. Now, oh. Toronto, Toronto wouldn't make a ton of sense. I was going to say Boucher and maybe a pick. He, he feels um, redundant in Toronto. Yeah, he absolutely feels redundant in Toronto. Let's send him to Golden State. Send him to Golden State for a future first round pick and for fourteen. They're back into the lottery. Would would you do that? You know, I think I would do that if they end up getting Minnesota's pick. Yeah, I would do fourteen for him, hundred percent. That's highly likely. I I don't see why not. I mean, that's a guy that comes in and. He can play with Steph, and all of a sudden, Steph's weaknesses are covered up. And so are Smarts playing next to Steph, you know? You don't have to worry yeah. about spacing ever if Steph's in the court. I like that quite a bit. Any, any others? Uh, not off the dome, man. There's no a lot worries. of teams that could use him. Guys like Pelicans that are looking to make a playoff push need a little bit of that hustle and grit. Okay. Let's go to the Heat. Tyler Hero. And I'm going to also throw in Goran Dragic who has a team option this year. I think they keep the dragon. I don't know how much left he's got in the tank, though. He had a really hard time staying healthy this year. Hero, though, is one that I think Miami is going to be exploring opportunities this summer. I I think they kind of shit the bed and didn't take the Harden deal because they thought Hero could be this monster. And at the time, I thought maybe as well. And so trading him this summer (laughs) might be a little bit of a tough pill to swallow because you're not going to get the package back that you could have gotten four or five months ago. But I still think you could go get some guys that help you win right now. And I just wonder with Jimmy, how much longer of a window they think they have. And I also think they're realizing they're quite a bit further off than they might've thought. So I expect Miami to do something big and there's just not the free agents this summer to go after and, take you from getting bounced first round to back in championship contention. So I think they got to do it via trade and Tyler hero just seems like the logical option. Not taking that hardened deal needs to be talked about more. All right. Next three, Brad Beal, Russell Westbrook, Scott Brooks, bang, Mary kill. I think you could flip a coin on all these guys. I mean, Scott Brooks shouldn't be back. Like the fact that he was starting Alex Lynn up until the third or fourth game in the series, just abysmal. Some of the lineups he threw out there, like you've got got four guys on the court that are under six foot five right now. And everyone that Philly has out there is over six, five. Like it it just literally (laughs) makes zero sense. Sometimes what he's doing. I love Scott Brooks. I loved him on those thunder teams, but it's time he's got to go. I think Russ probably stays just because I don't see them moving that contract. You're not going to get hardly any assets back. Right. Brad Beal, though, he's one that if I were Tommy Shepard, I'm making a deal, man. I am not going to let Bradley Beal play the next couple years in Washington and not get anything for him. I'm going to make a deal. But I don't know if that's what Brad Beal wants, man. He, He really seems to be embracing this Washington team. Though I just look at the roster and they're so far from winning. I think he would have to understand that. And if he's smart, he's going to ask out this summer. I think Brad Beal is Scott Brooks most likely to go. Brad Beal second most likely to go. And Westbrook probably staying. Gafford is a piece. It's official. Absolutely. Rui, I believe, is a piece. They have the 15th pick. I could see him being like, hey, let's run it back. Let's see if we can improve this roster this offseason. I just don't I don't see where you could get any better. And the fact that they're not going to have any money between Westbrook and Beal's contracts for free agents. I just, 
I don't see where it is unless you really want to mortgage the future and trade a bunch of first round picks to try and get a third guy with them. And even if you do that, I still don't see them being any better than the fourth or fifth seed. All right. This is a two piecer. Okay. Terry Stotts and the Portland roster do, do what you want here. It's time for Terry to go. I know Dame loves him. I know CJ loves him, but it's freaking time, man. When you've got Damian Lillard dropping 57 points, going almost perfect from the floor in a double overtime playoff game, and you still can't win, it's time. I mean, the rest of the guys other than Dame were something like one for 20 in the last minute of regulation. That's not the coach's fault. (laughs) No, that's not the coach's fault. But when Stotts can't get anything ran to get a bucket and Dame is just having to free ball it and jack up threes to keep him alive every game, at some point it does come down to coaching because Stotts has had so many chances and he has never figured out how to actually make a run with a guy that is obviously a top 10 player in the league, maybe top five. I just think it is time And the whole roster, in my opinion, fire sale time. Absolute fire sale time. CJ has got to be gone, okay? That clearly does not work with Dame. He is not complimenting Dame in any way. CJ is best with the ball in his hand, so is Dame. Go get CJ out of there and trade him for a wing that can actually help Dame if you're going to keep Dame. Other than that, if you're not ready to just freaking tear it down and get a million new pieces around Dame, trade Dame too. No, uh, go go no. get a million picks. So, that's where I'm cutting you off. It's time, listeners. Dude. What is ever going to change here? Because you said something so preposterous. What is ever going to change here? I just don't see it. I don't see it. There is no path. Even even if you go get freaking Paul George or Brandon Ingram for CJ McCollum, I still see no path where they're going to be a top three or four team in the West. I will say I think it's very difficult to build a consistent championship contender with someone on a super max. Just throwing that out there, but um, okay. I'm with you on moving CJ. You got to do something. I I think Stotts has to go and there has to be at least one or two, you know, decent sized trades. Like go get a big as well. Zach Collins is never going to be healthy. Nurkic (laughs) is either going to foul out or not be healthy. Like it's one of the two almost every time. And I just don't understand I just don't see it with them. I don't understand how there is any path to a championship. And part of that does come down to the front office. Yes, I overrated their offseason. I thought the Covington move would be a better. A lot of people did. I thought they would get more out of Derek Jones Jr. I thought Giles might even be able to give them some minutes. I was wrong, okay? This roster just ain't it. Either that or Stotts isn't getting the most out of them. And whatever way you cut it, it's time to shake up the personnel. It's time to shake up the coaching I mean, insanity is just doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. That's what they've done, okay? Dame and CJ running out there with Stotts as your two best players. That's what they've done every year for the last five, six years. And it's good enough to barely get you into the playoffs and then get bounced pretty early every time. What you just said is what Oklahoma City fans went through for the last seven years pre this year. Insanity after KD left in the Russ era. Yeah. I mean, trading Westbrook was something we never thought was going to happen. Maybe Dame could get traded. I don't think it's happening this year. All right. Last one. Chris tops, Porzingis meat on the bone here. Dallas has to do something. I I think you have to do your due diligence and see if you can find a home for him. There's going to be a desperate team. That's kind of handicapped cap wise. And, you can surely move him for something, something, whether it's Boston and you're just going to take back some salary dump and picks and guys like Kimba. Romeo Langford. And no, I, I couldn't do Kimba. That one's just a little bit too awful for me. Plus him and Luca together in a backcourt wouldn't work out, but somewhere, <laughs> someone somewhere will take Porzingis. Maybe you pick up the phone and you work some out with golden state. Maybe you get Wiggins and their CJ. 14th pick and someone else. Who'd yeah. you say? CJ. Yeah, they'd have to give more than Porzingis, I think. Yeah, Porzingis and maybe a couple firsts. Nah, I'm I don't want to throw all my firsts if I'm if I'm Dallas right now. They've been doing that. They don't have one this year. It's going to New York. Well, I mean, yeah, they did that to get their two stars, and only one of them has turned out to be a star. Yeah, I don't know. That Dallas has to do something though because 
I love Luca and Luca's incredible. I think he's a little banged up right now, and that's maybe why they got blown out so bad that last game. But we're seeing it. They just don't have enough. They don't have enough. They got to get a wing and a big they can actually produce with Luca. All right, for the last third of the show, let's touch on the remaining series and look ahead at round two. Jackson, your sons put on a blistering performance against the Lakers. Damn right we did. Last night in Phoenix. Take it away. The floor is yours. I'll jump in after you. Okay, so I'm starting here. Neither team has an excuse if they lose this series. Yes, I realize how much things changed when AD went down. I realize the difference in matchups, but Chris Paul was so banged up in two and three. He didn't even hardly play in the second halves. That series could swing drastically if he never gets hurt. So let's not throw this out and say it doesn't count for Phoenix, okay? This is a real series. Anthony Davis could be back for game six, but did you see the clips of him trying to work out pregame? For shoot around he was grimacing it didn't look very good and he was not moving much laterally I know he's a little bit of a drama queen but I just don't see that hammy being healed up enough to play by tomorrow now we will see and if he is not able to go the Lakers are in massive trouble if they start Andre Drummond again massive trouble it's as to how Frank Vogel hasn't made the switch yet as to how Andre Drummond is even getting minutes at this point it blows my mind You have a six-man of the year behind him. You have a former defensive player of the year, and you're choosing to start the guy that just rebounds the ball. Like, what are you doing? I don't get it. Frank Vogel did a good job in games two and three when Chris Ball was banged up. But this last game, I mean, he, he lost all credit that I think he should have been getting early in this series. And the other thing is with the Lakers, defensively is what changes so much with AD because they were able to double Booker in a way that even him a if, little bit right yes, across and, half court. Right. And even if they get it to the open guy and someone's, you know, maybe AD goes to help somewhere or he flashes out and stunts at Booker, you know, kind of creating a double when he picks up the ball type of thing. AD's so freaking long, athletic and fast. He can recover and get anywhere and make up the ground. When you have these other guys out there, you cannot do that, and you cannot double Devin Booker. And we saw that last night. And when you don't double Book and you try him with a sorry defender like Wes Matthews, he's going to drop 18 in the quarter. He's been a good defender for... Wash. He made a career out of it. He's, He's on the tail end, yes. They just don't have what it takes to stop Book. And the other thing is here, you got a guy in Jay Crowder, if you're Phoenix... He has not shot the ball well, and he is one of the leading players in plus minus of everyone in the playoffs. He is up there with Luka, up there with Kawhi, up there with AD, up there with the best premier players. That's the kind of impact Jay Crowder has on this team. And if he starts knocking down shots, everyone else in the West is in trouble. (laughs) I hate that I kind of agree with that. He is he's been breaking. He's been working hard. If those shots start to fall, this this team hits another gear, a gear we kind of saw last night. I'm with you. Bridges too, man. Bridges getting going a little bit. Like if these Mm -hmm. wings come through, whoo. And also, sorry to interrupt, but I got to give Aiden some credit and respect how hard he has fought on the glass and how good of a job he's done not to get bullied by this big Lakers team. It's been incredible, man. He's he's really freaking close, like 80% of the way there. If he can just get rid of the butterfingers and be a little bit stronger with the ball when he brings down a rebound, oh my God, he, he's actually what a lot of people thought he could be at one. So I was wrong. He has reached heights that I never thought he would reach in his first <laughs> playoff series. So I'm excited about Aiden. I've really come around on that. The hater card was turned in a few weeks ago. I'm a supporter now. I really am. I'm just a little bit afraid that LeBron was playing the I'm better than Jordan game. I'm going to no-show game five and get down 3-2 so I can really pull off a dramatic comeback and go win game seven in Phoenix. That's what I'm afraid of now. Aiton, he needs to make a little bit quicker reads going forward. Yes, and also work on the hands. I'm with you. He's been awesome. Yeah, but he's Two, close. He's so close. There is... Andre Drummond stuff is simply inexcusable. We have been clamoring (laughs) for more Mark Gasol all series since the very beginning of it, and he's been effective. He's hit shots. He can facilitate. 
He knows where to be on defense. He, he just doesn't make mistakes, quite frankly. Right. He's not the eraser that Anthony Davis is, but he's so positionally smart that right. he still is where he needs to be and is not going to just absolutely let you get bamboozled and leave someone wide open making a back cut like Drummond will. More of that. I don't know why we haven't seen more Harrell when Aiton is off the floor. I would I really like to see that. They, when they need a spark, go throw Mr. Energy out there. He's going to yep. play his ass off and try to get boards. He's going to score against Dario Saric or Kaminsky. I don't care what anybody says. Why not try something a little bit different? My only explanation, unless Frank Vogel just is convinced it's 2012 and he's coaching the Pacers and got Roy Hibbert out there or something, <sighs> Montrezl Harrell's checked out. I think he's, I think he's so pissed. over not getting his minutes. Dude, he's openly tweeting about how pissed off he is. Yeah. Like, that's never a good sign when you're in the middle of a 3-2 series and one of your players that should be getting run is tweeting about how upset he is. Like, not a good sign. He's got a $9 million player option. I was looking at it last night. Yeah, I that's already declined. I don't know if he's going to fetch more than that on the market, but I think he's gone because he wants to play ball. You know? Yeah, I don't Seems think like a Nick cares. or something. Go to Sacramento and get like 12 mil a year. That just seems like the obvious solution here. <laughs> um, okay, two other things that I have for you. One, yep. Dennis Schroeder, zero points last night, turned down four years, $84 million during the season. Is this the biggest contract mistake you can remember? No, I think the boogie one is probably the biggest mistake, but the injuries in there kind of changed your perspective on that and at the time it didn't seem like mistake as on behalf a decision. of the player yeah i i think well boogie turned down a deal that would have been a lot of money and then he got hurt but yeah this is just absolutely stupid for Schroeder. absolutely stupid and it's not like they lowballed him and offered him 12 mil a year on a two-year or something like this is his chance to finish his career or finish lebron's career with him right and as make a really good money in the biggest market in america like why not? Unless he doesn't like his role and he wants to go be the guy somewhere and thinks he can be getting more shots and getting more meaningful touches. I don't know. I don't understand it. That's blasphemous. If he doesn't like his role, he is the starting point guard for the Los Angeles Lakers playing with two top five players in the NBA. Hey man, it ain't for everybody. Some I people just want to be the guy. I cannot believe that he said no to that. Who in the right mind is paying him twenty five no or a hundred million dollars total? No Nobody. One. The best role for Dennis Schroeder, loved him in OKC, was the role he played in OKC, coming off the bench, attacking the basket, getting downhill, beating slower second unit defenders. I was gonna say just attacking second units, running the pick and roll, and getting the weakest defender switched on you, and just absolutely attacking him, blowing by him, getting an easy bucket. I can't believe this. I just had to bring it up. I'm done with that rant. And last thing you mentioned, LeBron needs to start games off as the aggressor. This entire series, he has coasted through the first half, waited to see how the game played out, and then started to assert himself. He tried to assert himself the first few minutes. He did come out and get a couple big buckets, and I got a little bit worried and then he did start to coast. And then it was almost like he wanted to see, it's hey, are the other guys going to show up, you know, and they weren't hitting shots. And he decided, fuck it. It's not worth it. I'm going to just save it for game six. Yeah, I, th I think that's legitimately what happened. Yeah, I, I don't know why I'm surprised that he's doing this at this age. And, you know, we've seen it before in the playoffs, but this this just feels like a different beast. This Suns team is coming out and giving them their all. I I will not sit back and watch him be passive in this next game. He has no opportunity to do so with the limited Anthony Davis. We have seen Dame, Trey, Jokic, Booker, Donovan Mitchell step up when their team needs him to in these playoffs. John Morant, throw him in there too. LeBron James has to step it up. He has to get to the line in the first half. Eight times. It is inexcusable. I need to see 15-plus points in the first half, the last two games of this series. Anything less is a joke. Forget 
LeBron in his Disney bullshit. I just can't stand it. I don't know what he's doing. Is he going to fool me again? Maybe. I'm I'm a little bit afraid of that, but I'm kind of to the point where I'm 50-50. All right, we're going to see a LeBron 45-point game and a win tomorrow night, or we're going to see the LeBron that we saw in his final game in the OG Cleveland days against Boston where Throwing he just quit the headband team, off. didn't show up. Yep, and seeing him walk off the court five minutes early into the tunnel gave me major, major OG Cleveland day vibes where he just quit on his team. Five minutes early. Only thing is... He's not going to have anywhere to go in the off season. No, he's not going to have anywhere to go, <laughs> but he'll go get to take an early vacation and pout and post cringy Instagram videos. Well, you know, MJ got bounced in the first round by Orlando. The excuses are coming. The excuses are coming one way or another. Maybe a, a big injury will happen. You know, maybe he'll get poked in the eye again and I, I see three rims and be able to score. Walking boot. He's going to come out in a walking boot if they lose. Or maybe he'll come out and say that when Chris Paul grabbed his shoulder, it did significant damage, and he's never been the same and never will be. <sighs> they're they're boys. He wouldn't do that. But that's my spiel. I th- I do think he will take my advice in Game 6. If that's the case, you're in trouble, because Game 7, you know he's bringing it. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I also don't think, I mean, even if AD sits, even if AD sits game six and they win, he's not going to be any more than 65, 70% in game seven. I mean, that hammy ain't going to heal overnight or groin, whatever the hell it is. Those muscles, it's not like a broken finger where you can just tape it up and tough through it. Like if you can't move, you can't move. There's nothing you can do. And every lunge, every quick lateral movement is going to make it hurt a little bit more and you're going to recover a little bit slower and it'll be a little bit worse the next day. So I just don't see it. And last thing I got on this, I don't see LeBron and Andre Drummond and the bench clowning Jay Crowder and the Suns playing fucking hopscotch on the bench, fucking making fools of us. That shit ain't happening anymore. Fucking clowns. I can't wait to bounce them, dude. I hate the Lakers with every ounce in me. Uh, All right. Um, In other news, Damian Lillard. The real game last night. Yes, the real one. Damian Lillard posted... The fifth most points in a playoff game in NBA history. Dropped 55, went 12 of 17 from three. One of the best playoff performances I've ever seen. Absolutely best playoff performance in recent years I can think of. Absolutely. I mean, LeBron game one against the Warriors few years back that's that is uh, the single when he punched best the clipboard or punched the whatever after and broke his hand and when, all that it was when jr like in the loss when jr screwed yes. up yes that yeah, was it's incredible. up there with that this was more impressive to me than even the donovan mitchell and jamal murray games i thought this was just insane yeah. due to the fact that he just kept hitting big three after big three after big three when it mattered most and nobody else on his team could buy a bucket to save their freaking life and Like I'd said earlier, a little bit of that for me comes back on Terry Stotts because I understand you have Dame and CJ and you have this free-flowing offense where you don't run a ton of plays. But in a close game, you've got to have a set that you can run where you get yourself an easy bucket or you get someone else going just to help Dame a little bit and not have him be so freaking exhausted. Yeah, I mean, his team didn't step up. It's unfortunate the way it ended with CJ stepping out of bounds off the catch. Covington trying to freaking put someone on a poster instead of just making the simple flush and getting the two points. Just stupid plays, bonehead plays. Um, Stuff that I'm sure Dame is going crazy about. The shot making we're seeing, though, it it really is like nothing I've seen before. The, The shot over MPJ to send it to OT... Gave me deja vu of the shot over Paul George to blow up Russell Westbrook's career. Dude, Um, it it just, it was insane. And every time he went to shoot, it was just like, no way he hits this one too. No way he hits this one too. Yeah, And he kept doing it. That inward spin move. I don't think I've ever seen anyone do that before a three-point shot. I didn't even think he was going to be able to get back past the three-point line. (laughs) I thought his foot was going to be on the line. Yeah, And a lot of people are really kind of on Mike Malone's head. Excuse me, Michael Malone's head. Don't want to make that mistake and call Mike. Sorry, shout out Cassidy Hubbard. Uh, The corrector. Yeah, on live TV, he stopped her as soon as she said Mike, and he said, it's Michael. And he apologized after and said he felt like an asshole. But it was an asshole thing to do. Anyway. Heat of the game. 
yeah he, he said he was really upset they were losing just yeah he, she caught him at the wrong moment like it it is what it is i don't think it's that big of a deal but a lot of people are giving him grief saying why would you not foul dame when you're up three with a few seconds left and I want to kick it to you and get your thoughts about that because to me it kind of looked like Austin Rivers was trying to foul Dame very, very early at the end of regulation when they initially called him shooting a three, then overturned it, questionable contact. I think that they were afraid Dame was going to catch them when they went to commit the foul and just go up and get called shooting a three. What did you think? That close to the arc... I would not tell my guys to foul him. Like, yeah, he he knew exactly what he was doing. I thought they called a, a shooting foul, but they, they did. did it first. Well, they did, yeah. and then they looked at it and overturned it. And I, was I thought that was the right that. thing to do. I there were both fans. It seemed like both sides they were crying. Like Denver fans were freaking out. Like, How's that even a foul? Game should be over. And then Portland fans were freaking out. And it should be free three free throws. He was in the act, and I think the refs got it right. You know, you there can was tell, z- let him keep the ball, take it, take it side out on his way up. There was no contact. So I'm- there was contact. There was contact, but enough to warrant a foul, especially in the act of shooting with the game on the line. I don't know, but I, yeah. I, I do think the refs got it right. They made the right call in the end and they said, Hey, we're not going to, you know, decide the game with this call. We'll give Portland the ball back and see what they can do. And Dame took it into his own hands. Everything worked out in the end. Denver won. It's not that big of a deal. But if I'm Michael Malone, emphasis on the Michael, I'm telling them, you try and deny Dame to the point where he catches the ball with his back to the basket. And as soon as that ball is in the air on your way to him, you grab his arm and you don't even let him move his hands up. You make sure would, it's on the catch with his back to the basket. hit him before he catches the ball. Tackle him. I think you got to be kind of careful on that one. Because <laughs> if they call it intentional before the ball's there, I think they get shots in the ball back. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, yeah, they probably should have fouled before he got past half court if they could. Um, one last thing, the 36-footer off the glass. Yeah, that was a little lucky. <laughs> I I was just shaking my head like, what, what am I supposed to do with this? At that point, it's just like he can't miss. You know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. All right, let's run through the rest of this real quick. Tonight we have Clippers Mavs at 9. This is Wednesday that we're recording. Memphis, Utah, closeout game. Wizards, Sixers, closeout. Hawks, Knicks, closeout. Mm-hmm. I don't have much on these other than shout out to the Grizzlies for giving us a fun series to watch. I agree. I do have something on this. I think the Sixers are in trouble. And the game is almost halftime right now. Sixers are up by two. Embiid, the Embiid meniscus injury, that that seems serious to me, man. That doesn't seem like a day-to-day he'll be fine next series thing. That's like okay. a, playoffs might be over for the 76ers. Let's just skip ahead. I, I don't care to talk about these games, really. I want to end the show with our, our picks on Philly, Atlanta. I think that's highly likely we're going to see Atlanta. Knicks aren't making a 3-1 comeback. And then Milwaukee, Brooklyn. So we got this news on Embiid today, and you right. are concerned about it. Absolutely. I think you have to be. I think any chance Philly had, it's out the window now. Because even if Embiid is able to play, if you get to Brooklyn... There is no way in hell that he's going to be able to go seven games with them and put up enough of a fight to get it done. There's just no way. Not on a partially torn meniscus as a seven-footer that moves the way he does. That's a wrap for Philly. I'm sorry. It sucks. Y'all have gotten absolutely screwed by injuries the last two postseasons. But, like, in my opinion, that's a wrap. I hate to say it. I agree with you. I think after this injury, they listed him as day-to-day. That's a load of crap. Yeah. I feel very confident about riding them off as a title contender, and I think the Hawks could take them seven games, possibly yeah, even I, win the series. I think that'll be a fun series. Now, would I go as far as to say Atlanta will beat them if Embiid doesn't play? No, not necessarily, because I think Ben Simmons on Trey Young is going to give right. it's going to give Atlanta problems that New York couldn't give them with guys like Derrick Rose guarding Trey Young. So don't don't count Philly out in that next series, but Man, I mean, we'll just have to kind of wait and see. You know, maybe he tries to gut it out, and it's really such a small tear that he is okay, but 
I mean, even confidence wise for him, knowing that you're playing on a torn meniscus, you're not going to be the same, you know, there's just no way. And they, to, to beat the Nets, they, they needed 110% Embiid. Like he was going to have to play out of his mind. Yeah. And you would think they might be more conscious about his minutes, maybe play him in slightly shorter spurts when he's out there. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give you my pick. I got Philly in seven over Atlanta. If uh, I'm expecting them to advance. So Philly, I'm going to ride seven. with you on that. I'm going to ride with you on that. Okay. I think Capella, he's legit. Like he's going to do probably a decent, as good of a job as you can against him. He might, he might get cold clock tonight though. If the Knicks are down a lot, because yeah. he's been running his mouth and none of them are happy about it. <laughs> All right, so you got Philly in seven as well? Yes, sir. That's going to be a really fun series. Yeah, I agree. And uh, it almost feels blasphemous to say this, but I guess the one bright side of the Embiid injury is we are going to get a more balanced series now with Atlanta and Philly, if that's what it shakes out to be. That's one way to look at it. I think healthy Embiid, it's probably 4-1 Philly, maybe even a sweep. Yeah, that and um, the Trey Young-Ben Simmons matchup, it's going to be so drastically different from what we've seen in this New York series. They, yeah. That's just a different kind of beast to throw at him. I think it's going to give him serious trouble. So I'm, I'm excited to see how he adapts to that. Um, to end the show here, Milwaukee-Brooklyn tipping off this weekend. Give me your pick. I know we both picked Brooklyn to make it to the finals. I can't wait to piss you off with this. All right. What what you got for me? Nets in five. Wow. <laughs> I, mean, I think they're going to come out and win game one by 30 points. I, I really do think this is going to be a statement series for them saying, hey, we played with our food with Boston. You know, we we game what three was it? Game three that they dropped. Yeah, they got up 19 to two or something. Just freaking yeah, stupid like, like that in the first five <laughs> minutes of the game. Yeah. After point you're coasting man you know the series you believe is over that yeah you think they said can hey, tell you what we're up 15 in the first quarter let's just take the rest of the night off no 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 one said that but mentally and body language wise yeah you relax mentally, a little yeah. bit you say that they checked out that's what they said to themselves no I mean, yeah okay maybe that's what they said to themselves not out loud but dude th- this was never a series Tatum would have had to drop 90 every game. They knew that. They they had no reason to go out there on tins, just busting their ass, hitting the floor for every loose ball. Like, it's the playoffs, but it's not a series. Like, we're going to see an entirely different energy and an entirely different level of intensity on the defensive end when they do get in a real series here with Milwaukee. And keep in mind, Milwaukee got them a couple times at the end of the regular season, and there's a lot of people in the media that, for whatever reason, are wanting to pick Milwaukee, and they are petty as hell, and the Nets are going to come out with a point to prove and embarrass them game one. I got Nets in seven. I'm going with the the talent over up in Brooklyn, but I do think Giannis is going to make it tough. Claxton can't can't contain him i'm sorry they just don't have anybody that can we saw how big of a difference drew holiday made in this heat series to go from losing 4-1 to miami last year to sweeping them this year i can't i can't recall another but hang instance on, but, of this. but peter the, the bubble doesn't count it doesn't what do you mean like it was the bubble you know it's just a <laughs> fluke none of that even matters did i say that no, but everyone is right now. Okay, just making sure. No, I'm just making fun of all the dinguses that act like they were playing rugby in the bubble or something. Like, still putting the ball in the hoop. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I'm i just going to give the Nets a slight advantage, but I think this may be the best series in the playoffs. I think it'll for sure be the biggest test for Brooklyn in the East. Absolutely. All we'll right. see, though. It's going to be fun. It Even if some of these games aren't that close, it will be a fun series. The storylines are going to be incredible. And to bring it to a close real quick, I'm just going to run through all of the picks that we gave off before the playoffs started here. So starting in the Eastern Conference, I had 4-1 Philly. You had 4-0 Philly. If Embiid stays healthy, that that's, yeah, we're, we're right on track there. Good looks on both of us. So next series, we both had the Knicks in seven. A little bit off there. Hawks Series ain't over, talented. but yep, Hawks are more talented. Wait, El- I thought 
Julius yeah, Randle, real quick, 27% on the series. All sad. he does is take shitty contested jump shots. What happened to the Julius Randle bowl in a china shop, get to the rim, get to the line, where you know he can shoot it? What happened it's to been that? An, it's been an emphasis for the Hawks to deny him the ball, throw doubles at him sometimes, trap him when he doing catches it. Doing a damn good it, job. They're doing an incredible job. That's what I was going to say. We got to give some credit here. I mean, Nate McMillan has done awesome. You got a guy who's an MVP candidate, and you've just made him a non-factor and the other team's worst player. That's just incredible coaching. I mean, I'm disappointed in Randall and the fact that he hasn't showed up more, but you got to tip your cap to Nate McMillan. Yep. All right, next series, I flat out swung and missed here. I had 4-3 Miami, embarrassing on my end. Peter had 4-3 Milwaukee, so kudos to you, although we were still a little bit off there. I had 4-0 Brooklyn in the Brooklyn Celtics series. You had 4-1, so hit that right on the head. Kudos Shout to you. Shout out Jason Tatum. Shout <laughs> out Jason Tatum. You were right. They did get one. Then in the Utah series, when, when we gave our picks, we were both under the impression Golden State would be there. So don't really have anything official on the record for this. Uh, we had clips over Dallas 4-2, and right now that looks like it's going to be the case. Luke is not 100%, and the Clippers just have all the momentum in the world. I mean, I wanted to spend a few minutes on this series, but it's probably not even worth it because I expect the Clippers to close it Tonight out. Tonight should be telling. Easily. Tonight will be very telling, and Luke is just going to have to go absolutely bonkers. Uh, we both also had Denver over Portland 4-3. That's looking really good right now. Denver's Creamy. up 3-2. And then uh, the last series here, Peter picked these Lakers 5-1, and... <laughs> It's almost like I tried to tell them. It's kind of crazy, but uh, I had Suns 4-3, and hopefully that winds up being 4-2 Phoenix. <laughs> hey, man, I had to be contrarian on that one. But Oh, yeah, no, I'm sure. Certified hater. I think we've done a pretty solid job so far. I agree. Only big swing and miss. Uh, Milwaukee and Miami, we <laughs> thought that was going to go a lot longer than it did, and then we missed on the Knicks. But other than that, we've been right on point with everything. Mm-hmm. All right, so... Hope everyone has a great weekend. Saturday, should the Lakers win Thursday, we will get a 9 o'clock game seven between the Lakers yeah, and Suns. Get I mean, your popcorn not, ready. Hopefully not. And we get game one of Bucks Nets at 6.30. So everyone have a great weekend. Spread the word about the pod. Five-star rating. Tell your friends, your mother, your brother, your sons, and we'll be back next week. Peace.